I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. In the room a lot. Ari, what's up? <laughs> yes, Chef. My name is Jason Stewart. You're listening to The Stew. Andre Conoparo, say hello. Hello. Ari, uh, cheers to you. Cheers. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming all the way out here. Of course. Thanks for making the trip all the way out here from wherever it is that you live. Um, you, um, where do you live? What's your neighborhood? Mount Washington, I guess. Glassell. What's that street address? Mount Wash. Mount Wash. Cute up there. It's cute. Cute view. Cute view. See the Dodgers fireworks. Any restaurants over there? Not really. Uh, there's like Good Girl Dinette is in Highland Park, which isn't far away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, My brother used to be a GM there before you say anything. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I get takeout from them all the time, and I'll go in there every once in a while, too. It's really, it's like a, that's really, like a cute yeah. restaurant. I, I think it is a cute restaurant. Underrated, solid. Yeah, clean. Food. Clean. It's, well, it's a nice, really nice, like evening meal to go from there but, I, you, but can you, get, can, you can get dirty vietnamese too and chill which very, is good very but, chill experience yeah. good service like they've got the whole thing i like those out. fries too yep i mean everything's just like really solid really well seasoned it's like they were a little bit of an outlier of highland park too because they're like what in their 10th year i think they're they were early but like yeah. that neighborhood's blowing up yeah now. it's crazy i was out there for drinks at highland park bowl i haven't been it's i mean it's beautiful inside it's incredible inside but it's like the most. So they have a. T- this is so. This is a food podcast. I'm going to talk about how much it costs a bowl at Highland Park Bowl. Um, they have like this tiered thing Ugh. where depending on what time you're there is how much it costs. But like peak hours, it's like ninety bucks an hour to bowl wow. there. Like if you're Friday, Saturday night, whatever, seven to eleven. It's like or um, I think it's like. Do you get a bottle? 90. I know it's crazy. It's anyways. I respect it's, it. It's incredibly as, beautiful. As a small inside, business but... owner, I respect the move. <laughs> uh, truly, like if you can get away with it, you have to. I mean, just do it. I just the, do it. That's get your an, money. That, see, that's good get because I, it's nice to have the evening out of like the small business owners get it. mindset. Like, get, get it. Get yes, it. get that fucking get ninety. That money. It's hard to make money as a small business Ours owner. Like, so well, let's make it an even making an even hundo while we're at it. Let's put a target on the back of that newly mm-hmm. gentrified neighborhood. You guys want another bottle of rosé? You guys good? <laughs> yeah. No, but I th- and the other thing, I think there's like a wait list even in that price. So exactly, so fucking I mean, get it. Yeah, I think that like it's it's really you're, the odds are stacked against you as like a small business owner to make yep. money. So when you get the opportunity, you literally you have to you have to grab it. It's that's not why an option. I, I want no. to talk to you about a frozen food line. Oh yeah, I feel like that's, that's why I sell uh, drugs. Next way, yeah, that's why he smells drugs and. I think we need to yeah, expand air quotes when foods. I say frozen food. Wolfgang Puck at the airport. What I'm are you thinking? down. What are I'm always <laughs> no. I'm down. I think that like good ingredients, mass produced and sold to as many human beings as possible. It's like a net benefit. Yeah. Sure. So just figure out how to scale it. I think Roy Choi agrees with you yeah. for sure. I mean, I think at this point, anybody that doesn't is just like wasteful because that's just you know it's hard to make money. Yeah. And. Good ingredients are expensive, and so the way to get around that is to like figure out how to scale to it and lot. find to other efficiencies. Sure. So that, like the bulk of your investment is like in your staff and your ingredients, and you just make a lot. Yeah. Who do you think has been a good example of that? Uh, I think Sweet Green does a really good job with that. 
Um, they do. Too bad. I hate sweet green. Yeah, but what? I mean, it's it's just like the idea of hate, it. hate, hate. Really? I feel like not hate. not wanting it's... to go is one thing, but like I see it as an option. If I see it and I'm like I'm hungry and I don't know where I'm eating and I see one, I'm like, yeah, I know that I'll have a healthy meal for not an insane amount of money. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah but since we're all chefs here, <laughs> we, <laughs> are, chef, we chef, are all chef. chefs. Um, when I eat at Sweet Green, I'm like, okay, I could go to Whole Foods salad bar and make the salad myself, and I would like it more, and it would cost less. But you know how to mm. cook. You know how to cook, and a lot of people don't. Yeah, that's that's you know, the I kicker. Think that's the big difference. That's is why that... sugarfish is popular. Yeah. If you listen to the podcast, you also know that Jason knows how to steal from the food bar, the salad bar. At yeah, Whole it's Foods. a lot harder to steal shit from Sweet Greens too. <laughs> well, <laughs> he just houses like a whole egg while he's just like making a salad, just. Swallow, I, was... I swallow a hole like a rattlesnake in a mouse. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's dope. I mean, now that I'm powerlifting, I need to get all the protein in me. As I can, <laughs> Not as even I just protein, just like food. You need to eat a lot. Okay, of yeah. I want to talk to you about that because Andre and I, we're, we're into the gym fitness life, but we're yeah. not fully committed. But we, we go often, but we're not... I don't mean, I don't even think you... It's not even just about committing. It's just like if you're going to do one particular thing. Like so you like need to powerlifting. Support. Just like it just burns a lot of calories. So you say like it's a bad thing. Sweetie. I don't think it's a bad thing, but you if you're gonna like then add the muscle to support the weight that you're lifting, you need to eat a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Right. So whenever you're doing a powerlifting set, <laughs> I'm not saying that you're a power lifter. For listeners <laughs> not at by home, any stretch. Ari is a is a man who's in good shape, but he's not like a, he's not a Vin Diesel like no. giant thick neck uh, workout bro. You know, you could light him in a way that he could get a diesel. <laughs> is he hot? I yes. can see it. Sure. <laughs> But yeah, he's not. I mean, you're not. You're not walking so around stupid. with like he's wearing a ripped white shirt right now. He has like a fanny pack. Like That's that has like a specific reason. Just because I spill coffee on it, it's <laughs> like it stains it. So every time I get a drop, I just put a hole in it because it's like you know you sure. can't walk around with like a stained no. shirt. Damn, that's a smart idea. But you can put if some you get, fucking holes yes. in that shit. Okay, listeners, if you're hot enough and you spill some mustard on your shirt. <laughs> And just you cut it out. Just cut tips. the hole out, and there'll be. But if you're like a fat, not hot person, it's not going to work. Just get out. a new shirt. They're going to be like, oh, sweet. I think it just depends. You know, I think that anyone can pull it off. What? So wait, I want to know. There's about these jokes back and forth about powerlifting. Is that something you are doing or not doing? No, I mean, I just like like he lifts, was saying, going like, hard in the pain. Instead of going like, I don't do a ton of cardio. Right. Like okay. you know, a lot of people do like will run or whatever, whatever they get their it. fix doing. Oh, I try to think of like yeah. trying to do that, and I don't know if it's really serving. Me, I like to go I for hikes. Yeah, hikes are dope. I like to surf, swim, swim. You've surfed for a long time. We talked about this a on while ago, off, right? Yeah. yeah. So, but you're always on your feet. You're moving around, so your cardio is okay. So when you're going mm-hmm. to the gym, you're doing some real like some heavy lifting you're doing some I mean, daddy just squats as, just as much as i can it's not in the grand scheme right. of things i can't say it's super heavy sure. it's just like as much as i could possibly do i feel like he's strong you could squat more than i can and that's a fucking lot brother <laughs> it's also one of those things though too where it's so i think it's so hard for people to get <laughs> sorry this is a meathead you know conversation it's literally don't my dream oh yeah it's for sure. we're, no, no, we're gonna my, talk about the impossible burger dream. eventually <laughs> don't worry but i, I, could, I feel <laughs> like Powerlifting is one of those things where when you're out of shape and you're like, I need to get in shape, you know, I'm just going to go hard and then boom, rotary cuff. Out, yeah, you have done. to do it. Like you, somebody, if you, don't, if you haven't done it before, mm-hmm. you need somebody to help you. And if you have opinion. done it before, you need to go real slow. Mm-hmm. It's not like, I'm going to go on the elliptical for a half an hour. It's just like, 
mm-hmm. and then like the backs out. It's just yeah, it's just like you have to build range of motion yeah. while you're building strength. Because yeah. if you don't build range of motion, then you just like you become completely locked, and you'll just create pain in your body. Or you'll also. just tear or sprain something because you put on muscle yeah, without you'll... stretching or doing yoga or doing something. Yeah, or it'll swimming just or... build up over time. But how much how much food are you eating though? Like if you if you don't eat a lot of food, what what happens to you? You just lose weight. You just lose weight. You don't. You lose your muscle mass and your fat. You, you feel everything. weak and tired, or yeah, you can feel like a little bit weak. You can feel a lot more sore. You recover much slower, so you're sore for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, What's your favorite post-workout meal? It just depends, really. Just whatever you're in the Beef mood jerky. for. No, I mean, I Beef jerky usually I you got a go six inch or a whole foot long. Always, you know, always a foot long. <laughs> <laughs> Only a foot long. I usually go to work after I go to the gym, so I. Check on food there. I like try to eat at work every day at least. Yeah. When you say check on food, that just means you just eat a bunch of food. While I'll just you're no. At I'll stuff? just pick a dish and just like see what they're doing with it. Hmm. Like like your your sous or whatever. Just whoever's there that day because we do operations for so many hours of the day. There's periods when I don't have sous on mm-hmm. the line just because you know twenty four seven. So you're like, hey Stephanie, what are you working on? And she's no, like, I is there twenty four seven? Is there twenty four seven service this standard? Uh-huh, it's twenty four seven. Damn, I, I like saw. that. Wow, that's not a very often <clears throat> where a hotel will have twenty four hour room service. And not only that, you can eat in the diner twenty four seven. That should never. We have servers in there. You can cruise in there twenty four seven. What was that like for you? <sighs> I want to do that. It's good. Our overnight menu. My sous chefs did that one together because they like, they really wanted to make really dope junk food mm-hmm. and yes. so they got together and did that and it's really good they're super talented so got a tuna melt over there huh uh sometimes depends if the tuna are able to be caught we had a tuna issue this week where there were none caught mm. really so we didn't get any yeah because so when you make a tuna melt you're using trim from that so we'll get the fish in whole damn so you're not using canned no no we're so our albacore no came no no in sweetie whole. no Okay, this is from Oregon. Yeah, so we we're just super particular about how we source fish. We're like very mindful of like where it's coming from, mm-hmm. how it's labeled, all that stuff cuz that's like a really it's like a legitimate issue that we're going to have to deal with in the next 5 years is like, you know, we're going to lose a bunch of fish. Um so we work with this company Sea to Table and they go dock and boat to you so they can trace it to the person who caught it, mm. which is really nice. So it's really much more finicky than working with a traditional fish company who will like sometimes substitute farmed fish or sometimes mm-hmm. substitute like trawl caught fish or whatever. So mm-hmm. it's more we, finicky. It's more expensive, but it's not even more expensive. You, there's really good value on there too. Like okay. uh, that albacore was like seven bucks a pound and it's like sashimi quality. Like it's really, really, yeah. You just buy the whole fish, you know, so how to fabricate guess- it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how you're able to make money is you have to buy the fish whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we use the loins, for a dish at night and then mm. we use the trim and the rest of it um at brunch or by the pool bones and off for stock uh yeah we'll freeze them we usually will have like a bunch of charred fish stock yeah. frozen that's like a thing we use to season a lot of food was it is it hard i can only imagine so yes no maybe but to go from the original alma to then the standard, then to a 24 hour service, like, w- did it feel like a natural progression or was it like, holy shit, this is like, I need to f- wrap my head around this? Because it seems to me incredibly different visions of, ser- of serving, creating all that. Even, um, even downtown, I would say, like, just because of the nature of the food we cooked, which was like a tasting menu that would sometimes be like 15 or 16 courses. And we 
because we were so small, we had to do a lot of covers for a restaurant that's doing that many courses. So we would sometimes do like 65 or 70 every once in a while. And that's like the amount of plates that that is, is equivalent to like a high volume restaurant. You know, it's like we would put out, you know, with snacks and everything sometimes like over a thousand plates of food in a service. And you know, it's just like, it's the same principles. You have to be super efficient. You have to have a lot of communication. You have to be really organized. Really so I think that big dishwasher. Yeah, really <laughs> many dishwashers, um, especially like us, because we never had enough plates. We would always run out of plates in like the middle of service. We'd be like waiting. So you're for sitting the there with a pot with a sauce yeah. and a spoon and nothing to put and, it like, on. Like a perfectly cooked piece of duck or something, mm-hmm. just like ready to go. And you're Ugh. just like, it's dying on the line. Not even that. Just like everybody knew that like whoever was closest to the dish pit would just like sprint and help wash dishes and get them back. It was just yeah. this is a play on fish and chips. It comes out on newspaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hold their hand out, sweetie. <laughs> whatever so so it just kind of scales in in concept as far as like what how you need to constantly be there moving. were a lot of lessons in growing pains in terms of like learning how to manage a staff that big yeah and really really leaning into delegation of certain tasks and like you know having a lot of trust in managers that you have to build up over time that's hard to let go right it is and it isn't. Like, once people prove their loyalty, at least for me, like, I'll back them all the way. And so, you know, I just know that, like, mistakes will happen, but I know what their mindset is and how much they care. And so it's like, I'll, you know, accept whatever mistake comes with that because they care and they love it and they treat it like it's theirs. Um, and those people are hard to come by. Those are hard to come by. So you literally do anything you can to keep them. Like, you know, I will do anything to keep my sous chefs. Mm-hmm. I sent, helped send one to Norway to go stage. Oh wow! Um, just because you, you know, love them, set them free. He well, wanted to. He wanted to like, go for a while. You want to go suck? Go for a month, <laughs> and you'll. Have you want to go suck Red Zeppi's dick for a month? No, Dude, come back. No, he didn't go to Denmark. He went to Norway. Mm. He went to a different restaurant. He went to Maymo, which is a really dope restaurant Maymo? in Oslo. Maymo. Yeah. Have you been? I haven't, but I'm a big fan of his. Just like the way, just visually, the way he cooks, he's pretty sick. You were just saying in five years. We could be, ha- uh, there could be fish, entire fish species that are wiped out. Wiped out, yeah. Which fish will you be glad to see go? <laughs> <laughs> Who's top of the list? Yeah. Be honest. Um, I'm so sick of Toro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like bluefin as it is, just put a bullet in it. It's, our, it's so close. Bluefin, you know, it's time to give up, Jonathan Golden. Wow. Bluefin's done. Wow, I mean, it is definitely done, but <laughs> I'm just it's sad. Obviously joking. It's sad that it it's is. It's sad that the one of the most delicious-ass fish... Also, like, a genuinely majestic creature. Mm-hmm. That thing just, like, goes so fast in the ocean. It's, like, such... It's, like, an apex predator. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so quickly, and too. It, it like, goes huge. to 80 miles an hour within, yeah. within seconds. Just it's like we sh- can't... It's the Tesla of the sea. We all say it is. It's true. It's true. It's a good description. But those it. are the ones that we want to... that. The human race that's destroying our planet wants to eat the eat They the don't most. even want It's not even the problem isn't that they want to eat it. There's plenty of them for the people that want to eat it. It's just the waste. It's just like the waste of like so much of it gets thrown away mm. depending on where it goes. And, you know, it's just like you have to kill so many, pull so many to get a certain pound of like the like the visually appealing type of meat that people want to see that they're used to or whatever. And then right. beyond that, it goes to like it just gets wasted. Right. Yeah. It just goes into a, a Trader Joe's can. Yeah, or who knows what it gets fed to. Oh, shit. 
I, I feel like you might have some good food conspiracy theories going on in there. I don't think I have any conspira- conspiracy theories. I think there's just like, you know, the government supports mass production of food. <laughs> yeah. That's for sure. just, and, you know, you, I'm sure it can go as deep as you want it to. Do you make, does it make you want to leave the country and go somewhere else? No, it makes me want to find ways to scale what I do as much as I can. So, like, working in a hotel was one of those ways to start buying a ton more produce and so we buy only from the markets and all our meat is pastured and all our fish is line cod and so it's like we can buy more of that and that's not novel like every restaurant does pretty much and should do that but mm-hmm. we you know and it's like it's not something to commend it's just like that's doing business it's like buy nice ingredients mm-hmm. um but we can buy more just because more people come through we have more services we can use things in different ways at different times so we can use a lot um, without wasting yeah, but I, to a small extent, I think you're, well, I would like to say you're not giving yourself enough credit, or at least people that are doing those same kind of practices in the sense that you can sneak in some Cisco orders if you wanted to, and you could do some things if you wanted to, or, I mean, maybe not at the at the level that you're playing at, but, like, not that much far below, especially if you're going to talk about, like, hotel service and hospitality. Like, you can cheat corners, and if you've obviously ever, you're not doing that. If you've ever had real food, though, you can suss that shit out real quick. It's a drastic difference. Like, maybe if you're used to, you know, Cisco or Commodity, the ingredients you're not going to be able to suss it out but like right. if you have or like you know have habits of eating good food like that shit comes across really quickly and you know those are decisions that like business owners have to make but but you're you're putting yourself out there saying we're not going to do that and you know the the hotel dining and hospitality thing is interesting because people aren't necessarily staying somewhere to dine there's a lot of people that are staying at really nice hotels doing elevated things, even food-wise in their program, that are just staying at whatever is the cool, nice hotel and don't really even appreciate. They just want a steak and may not even know how good the steak is. Or I mean, there's, there's varying degrees. Like the SLS, of, Bazaar or something? Yeah, or, or, yeah, I mean, there's varying degrees, I think, of like <laughs> what goes on. <laughs> we'll turn your mic off for this segment. <laughs> we can kill this. See, that's why, this, is the, this is why I love to, to do the food pod is... Uh, since I'm not a chef or I don't work in the restaurant biz, you can just say whatever you want. It's true. But you can't. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, I say a lot, though. Like, I'll, I'll go pretty far, but, like, you know, I'm very respectful. I try my best to be very respectful of other people in, this, in the industry because it's fucking hard. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just hard. And so to, like, add to stress because you just want to, like, hate. You know, I was definitely more of a hater when I was younger, but now it's just like everybody's just hustling. So well, he doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. But he doesn't put DJs on blast either. So like, he yeah. gets on the food podcast and like, that's a good he likes point. To, he likes to you're be a, a consumer, little consumer, though. You he should likes to be a little devil. It's your job. You're the consumer. You should say what you want to say about it. You're like coming at it from the lens of like you're paying your money, and you know it's, it's called micro food fluencer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Capital the, M on the micro. And I think that, like, yeah, you should be the one talking about how it is. Like, that's what we deserve when we open a business, to be right. judged. That's what we <laughs> is get. there, I was curious about this. Was there something, and there may not even be an in, there may be a note of this, but as a chef, until you had your own restaurant, was there something that you didn't understand until you had your own restaurant? Mm, Spanish? No, I mean, I just, all my mom's from Mexico, so... <laughs> No, no, my mom's from Mexico. I grew up with Spanish. Mm. It's kind of like one of those, it's it's a question that's more pertaining to like, is there something, you know, that you're, 
a certain version of yourself didn't know until you became this age or did this role or do something? Because you had a lot of experience, obviously, as a chef until you became also a restaurant owner. Um, no, actually, I really like I had one and a half chef jobs before I opened right. Alma, and that was like not for very much time. So mostly I was a cook, but I would say not so much like it was just like what that restaurant went through, which was very peculiar very, for any thing to have to go through so i think that like who i am now has been like greatly influenced by the last three years four years more than five i guess because that's how long the restaurant's been open so the last five years more than like any other period of life high school college anything like the amount of like growth that i've had to push myself through um is influenced by that period. And it has nothing to do with like opening a restaurant. Cause I think that if you've been cooking and you're serious about cooking, you dive into it and you know, you know, a lot about things that you like never have never done. You just like dive into it. You stay after you ask questions, you're curious, you read, you do all that shit. And so, right. you know, a lot more, um, than you think you do. So once you start doing it, of course it's like, yeah, you need to get a good accountant. You know, nobody really tells you that you need to be like really careful with your money. You need to watch it. You need to, vet people because you know those are not things that we're told so i think dealing with the money that was one aspect of it that i was like a trial by fire and then just like what that restaurant went through sure um yeah that has definitely been the biggest lesson that i've learned it's a unique uh, yeah that's an incredible story and unique experience too it was pretty wild to be honest (laughs) i'm like just coming out of it i would say yeah it's been how and how long is the standard Two years. Two years? Almost, yeah. It's pretty crazy. What um what restaurant concept style or like form of cuisine do you think is the most has the highest chance of success? Um, or maybe like the best mar- profit margin. It's hard but it's hard to say right now. I think every people are betting on fast casual pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think that like a good a good neighborhood restaurant, like going into a place and really trying to understand what they don't have, what they need, how you can do that in a way that's like really good. Like there's always has to be those restaurants that are progressive and pushing forward and influencing and like leading from the front. But I, but but I feel like those, those are risky. Those good, those good neighborhood restaurants. It's kind of like there's, there's like the crazy flash in the pan, super high end ones that last two years and then yeah. it's done. And there's a neighborhood, good neighborhood spot that lasts 10 years, and then the neighborhood gentrifies and turns over, and you can't afford it anymore, and then you have, like, the legacy restaurant that's there for 50 years or something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, just as a business owner, you got to be ready to adapt. And as shit changes, like, try as best you can to look down the road and what you think is going to happen and do that instead of just, like, going hand-to-mouth with it. Like, if you think that, like you see a bunch of restaurants open, you think it's going to get really difficult and you see an opportunity in another place to do something like, you know, maybe you just have to adjust, sell the business while its value is the highest, take that and invest in another project. Mm -hmm. It just requires kind of removing your ego from it too, because you know, you can attach yourself to a restaurant and it can be, that can be really successful. But at the same time, it's like, you know, people will need you to be there. And as you grow as a person, like your priorities change a little bit and you're hurting your business by not being there. Mm-hmm. So even if the food and the service and everything are still excellent, um, you know, there's still ex- there's an expectation that goes along with it. So Yeah, it's Friday, 6 p.m. and Ari's not in the kitchen right, right? now. He's, uh, he's doing a podcast with us. Yep. So the food is suffering, but the brand is growing. 
<laughs> on iTunes. <laughs> it's <laughs> that's on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> it, it will be. It will be now. The, yeah, that's that's sick. <laughs> no, but it's it's so hard when you work so hard at something, especially like a small business, to not have those blinders and, like you just said, ego. To the hardest thing can be to let something go Definitely. in the face of an even better opportunity because there's so much blood, sweat. And that's not necessarily you, the lessons you learned are also the reward for that blood and sweat, not just the physical space or the business that you're in. You know, yeah. brands and names and franchising, all those things are different equations, but like to have a small personal business and to let it go, um, it's, it seems like one of the hardest things you can do. It's tough for sure. Um, but you know, it's just like that is, you have to accept that that's just the nature of the world. It's just like shit's impermanent. Mm-hmm. And try as you want your shit to be permanent. Most of the time, that's not the case. Even like permanent, like your lifetime permanent, like to keep something running for that long is just like, it's rare. Um, and I think that like now a lot of people are being raised to think that like there's no such thing as like losing or failure because, yeah. you know, the way that they're taught and God the way millennials. that it's not even that. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it, there's people in that generation forever. It's just easier now because of technology right. to like do less. Mm-hmm. or you know to get lucky and make a ton of money like i feel like it's easier now yeah. than it was like back in the day like you'd have to like risk your life to go to the gold fields of california to get lucky to get rich mm-hmm. and like almost kill yourself 11 times but now it's like flash in the pan you can make a ton of money um yeah but failure is a part of spinning. life and you learning we should like learn how to do that as often as possible and be you know okay with it and just see it as if you put like if you did it with integrity then it's growth Right. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. that idea of that it's even beyond fail forward, it's more changing the paradigm of failure to be more of a learning experience than actually something that is unsuccessful yeah. in that way. That it, you know. Yeah. But to go along with that, we have to provide increased social services to allow more people the opportunity to oh. take that risk because sure. I could take that risk because right. I was lucky enough to come from like a family of two doctors. Yeah. And when I lost everything the first time, there were people around me who could help put me back on my feet. Yeah. And for other people, that's a very slippery slope. And Mm -hmm. that's how you end up, you can end up homeless so quickly. Sure. Like you read interviews with people and like they had a great job making a lot of money and just like one thing led to another, led to another, led to like some catastrophic moment where everything changed. Um, and I think that that's very, like the way we're structured now, that's super easy. So I think that, you know, it's important for us to continue to like, that's where you got to be ready to end it all at any, any moment. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, suicide's not the answer kids, by the way, it's two podcasts is very against suicide. Homeless or suicide. Um, no, but also even the concept of staging is kind of like at a certain, yeah. at a certain level, you can't, you know, there's people that definitely, you know, will share a room with five people uh-huh. and do that but like there has to be a certain base level for staging where it's like there's something there's some kind of support well, we that just need to, to pay that. i mean the price of food is too low and so sure. we're not supporting the people that work in it right or the ingredients to a degree so the, the business owners are taking decreased margins because people don't want to pay the price that food needs to be mm-hmm. to allow us to bring up the wages to where they should be mm-hmm. um and that's just a reality of the business. So it's like, you know, you can do what you can, and there are a lot of people who are doing what they can to continue to try to, like, have this conversation. But until then, you know, it's just really difficult. It's like, you know, 
pay grade or lay off a bunch of people. You know. Yep. Speaking of of expanding and growing, uh, a, a Twitter question came in: What is your dream location to own a restaurant? Uh, in the world. In the world. Central Central Coast between like Ventura, Santa Barbara, Ojai, SLO. Los Olivos, anywhere around there. Um, not even as far as, as I'd SLO. go as far as slow. I think that's not slow. just because that's where you're from. No, I'm from further north. Okay. No, I just find that to be like the most beautiful. Yeah. The growing is like the growing conditions there are perfect. Mm-hmm. Um so it's great ideal for produce. Sativa, it all grows equally. Yeah, exactly. There's a little bit of CBDs up there too. Yep. It's chill. Yep. And it's just like I, yeah, I just like that's my pace of life. It's like the California, like small town California coast. Like that is my ideal. Have pace a little of life. surf. Go, yeah. Buy food. I have it. an acai bowl. Yeah. Do you still feel the like Santa Cruz is bus. the epicenter of food right now in the country? Do I think what? That Santa Cruz is the epicenter of food in the country. <laughs> I think Santa right Cruz now. is the epicenter of produce in the country. <laughs> I think you'd be hard pressed to find a better farmers market than the. It, is, well, really? it is a great one. I was Whereas Santa Cruz has a. It has an incredible. The farmers, farmers there. That's where all the best ferry building farmers are from, like Santa Cruz. Yeah. Like they're all the ones that are going up to San Francisco. What is a ferry building farmer for the, our listeners at home? That's like the ferry building is like the most like elite you know produce market i feel like in the country like that's like when you go to the mall and there's the francisco. wing that has like the gucci store and you've been to the ferry building in san francisco i have yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's like the real like yeah it's just like everybody it's like the most chefs like all you'll see everybody there mm-hmm. um i mean the santa monica one also is like where a you get your rancho second, gordo beans hollywood sunday farmer's market there's a lot of people stocking yeah but too. the wednesday santa monica yeah, is just like it's sure. it's it's pretty incredible. You get the elite shit. You just get like, you know, there's a market for more rare things. There's a people willing to pay higher prices for really perfect things. I'll yeah. suck some dick for a finger line. Literally. <laughs> Literally. You know, so, like you'll, so, you'll so battle, like you'll do battle for produce at the market. Like you'll try to steal other people's shit. When you see it there, you're like, you know, just like. You've got, you've got Nancy Silverton by the, pulling her to, wig you out. You try to like finesse <clears throat> some things. Like you'll see a bag of something in somebody else's or like two of them, and you'd be like, "Yo, just slash Ludo's tires." Just no, just like you try to like go to the farmer and be like, "Just tell him that this was all you had," you know. Oh. And then you try to buy, it, try to pay more for it, whatever. Damn, so good. that shit goes down. Oh, I sure. love it. Inside baseball. <laughs> that sounds so. I, I it just, sounds like I, a straight up drug deal. I would not want to deal like. with any, any of that. Anybody that's hating on that, like, and every chef does it for sure. Like you just like you see things and you want them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me <laughs> whatever yeah and most, you'll do it. mostly like it mostly happens at this one at coleman farms because they grow like some of the rarest things and they grow like very few quantities of some really special things and some people know to ask them like what kind of things for example perhaps um like they'll have these like spiny west indian gherkins which are like the dopest cucumber ever um they take forever to grow they get like one or two crops a year out of them but they look like a little alien thing from like wow yeah wow spiky and if you don't know if you're not there when they have them or you don't know to ask for them like i i was late this year i was like three days late and they were like we sold our whole crop what what would you do with these gurks you just cut them raw it's just like the texture of them like the way that they taste on their own you just season them a little bit but they're like Mm -hmm. yeah just kind of mind-blowing Mm. So my themselves. my dad's obsessed with durian. They live on Kauai. And I've so actually never had one. He's got so he's got the plug where she'll call him before she hits the Sunday market, mm-hmm. and is like, "That's the only way." I've got four durians. Like, how many do you want before I put them out? Yeah, because they sell within a half an hour, depending on yeah. when it's there. 
or like JJ Lone, which is like primarily for those. These are just like really specific farmers market commentary right now. So I'm sure people are not. People, no, people, want to, <laughs> people want to hear the shit. Inside JJ, baseball. JJ Lone, which is known primarily for um, citrus and avocado. They do the best figs at the market. This woman, Laura, does the best figs. Mm. At the, like maybe the best figs I've ever had. And this one. The green guys and the brown guys? The, her red ones, they're like, they're just another, I think it's like, I forgot what they're called. It's on a different playing field. It's just, yeah, it will literally make your eyes roll back. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah. Out of hand. So go for those, you have to like go early and ask her, and she's the best and like so enthusiastic and will tell you everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but like just going early and asking her if she has any, like they're super Maybe special. bring her a coffee or something like yeah, that? Yeah, she does passion fruits too, like the best passion fruits that I've ever had. It's yeah, she's a she's good. What would you do with that red fig? Um, Ari, barely cook <laughs> Talk it. Talk slow. Barely cook it. Barely cook it. Yeah, just like let it sit over, like a grill that's like or like wood fire that's like dying, for like a little bit of time, maybe like two <laughs> hours until they they'll get like start to get really. It oh, so expand. At, have it whole. Have it whole. Don't do anything to it. Just let it sit there. If you can like keep it semi covered and, and kind of use it as like a low clay oven so that sugar's concentrating mm-hmm. it just that, starts to expand it starts to dehydrate a little bit it picks up a bunch of smoke like it caramelizes a little bit of the sugars um and just like eat it with ice cream i guess yeah <laughs> smear it on some avocado Pigs on a plate you know that's what we're known for <laughs> it's true California. yeah you are you are you are very fig heady yeah. i remember the last uh, it's funny because the, the a question i got on on twitter as well um from our uh, our friend Sean, what was he said? What was the last time you followed a recipe? And it reminded me of a recipe that I saw of yours of like carrots cooked in. What was it? It was. Was it like the goat butter ones? Those no, it was good. just it was just like carrots and like smoldering wood or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was like it was like that ingredients. It was, it was like <laughs> wood like roasted carrots, and the and the recipe was like. Put carrots oh, on burning wood. I think those were parsnips, maybe. <laughs> um, but no, you put them. I was straight, like, this is the most Ari ass recipe I've ever seen in my life. You put them straight into coals right. and just like turn them a bunch of times. It's like old. That's like old cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the best. I love that shit. Well, what what was the last recipe that you followed? And if you remember, I follow recipes for pastries the first Oof. time because I do. I'm. I do the desserts at the restaurant, mm. which I actually oh, wow. is my favorite thing to do. Actually, you're make. kidding? No, yeah, I taught myself how to make pastry, and they're not like I'm not like a trained pastry chef that's, by any stretch. Well, that's so surprising because I'm always my brain is always thinking that those things are mutually exclusive, like chefing and pastry. Like that's also like just the, some. It's so much more math in pastry that, or at least to me, there seems to be so much more math and so much more specific. It'll specific, make you a more a better well-rounded cook, though. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. It's like when you're a guitar player and then. Pastry is like learning how to read music. Well, I'm not yeah. good at anything. Let's be very yeah. clear about that. I am no, not skilled in anything. That's a good but. way to think about it because you can take certain ratios or whatever and um, you can kind of like change them a little bit or add and subtract if you know what they do. And it'll take like maybe sometimes it'll take three or four different times of like tweaking and tweaking and tweaking to make something. But yeah, you can kind of just take these ideas and start to move them around and shift them and change them. Sure. And, yeah. Maybe make them more it's like my, nutritious. My tosses uh, and change with humidity is, my, is my thing. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, you could use like you know whipped 
bean water, that aquafaba, and make like mm-hmm. meringues or mousses or whatever. And I think that like or, to some people that would be healthier. Or maybe in, instead of just AP flour, like a more whole grain or something like uh, that. Yeah, for sure. That's that's the kind of pastry stuff that I'm trying to get. In. I've I've been trying to make a whole grain phyllo dough in the pasta machine to oh, roll yeah. it out. It's not working out great. We're trying to make like laminated doughs in like a really hot kitchen, mm. which is difficult. So like that's our project Almost right now. Almost impossible, right? Uh, I mean, we puff pastry. We got down, um, but we're croissants. We're not successful at so far. We're trying though. But so I was saying, puff pastry like, down. Yeah, my sous chef Ali makes a mean puff pastry. She showed me how to make it the other day. What's the secret? Just. It's like a really, you just have to follow the technique. It's like an old technique. You have to like roll the butter into it. You have to roll it the right way. You have to fold it. You have to let it rest. It's mm-hmm. just like really simple attention to detail. And if you don't do any of these little seemingly Pef- meaningless things that all falls apart. Mm, puff pastry is a little more forgiving, which mm-hmm. is another thing about it. So it's like you can, you can probably get it at home um, with a couple of tries and mm-hmm. it's pretty satisfying. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like making it's a magic. making a croissant that is rivaling, you know, a proof or a tartine or whatever yeah. seems very difficult to perfect. Yeah, it's but again, it's just like time and how many reps you want to do with it. You got to want it. You got to You got to want the song. Just like KD, you know. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> that is just like KD. Um so I I feel like for me, following recipes, that's the only time that I would follow a recipe really is like mm-hmm. making anything pastry-ish related. Yeah, on the savory side, no recipes. Um, unless it's like a sous I, My sous chefs have dishes on the menus. So, you know, sometimes we'll have like a recipe for something. And if I'm prepping for them that day, you know, you mm-hmm. just have to make it. Right. That doesn't yeah. count that. No, yeah. What about you, Andre? Are you, a, you're, you, you like to follow recipes sometimes? I think I like to follow recipes a lot the first time for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's like, depending on like what kind of cooking you're doing, I mean, it's kind of easy also to riff as opposed to others. I mean, there's like a, you mentioned ratios, there's always that balance from acid to salt to sweet. But the the pastry thing, and I've done very little of it. I mean, I've done some like no need bread recipes, which are always fun and easy. Like a, I think a, a fresh bread out of the oven is pretty incredible, regardless of its how complicated it is. If it's, if it's Even if enough. it's shitty, it's still pretty good. But when you get into like the technical stuff, like puff pastry or croissanto or brioche, the the idea that the humidity or the temperature that day will change wherever you're cooking, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff breaks my brain a little bit, and it's like mm-hmm. th- those variables kind of drive me nuts. I like to have a baseline of things, and right. And I always I look at people that I know that cook pastries and bake, and I'm always so impressed. And I think that's also kind of fun where. Um, because I obviously don't do it professionally, it's like it's nice to focus on one thing and just kind of like have the friend that come over that does the desserts. That's kinda true. Thing. But yeah, I'm the pie girl. I always make a pie. Yeah. Dude, I would marry that girl for sure. <laughs> I, I just find, pie. yeah, yeah, you're a pie head. Number one, yeah. Things sure. like math were never my strong suit. Mine either, though. And it Mine always either. seems that way. It's different. It's just like it's like it's just something that like once you. You just get hooked on it because mm-hmm. with pastry you can – I think you have a lot more room to explore flavor profiles and you can do a lot more layering and like build things up and it's just like you can be more inventive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like you 
you just get into like the tiny differences and how you change things. And I don't think you have to be good at math because the math is basic and it's shit you can do with like a, you know, an mm. iPhone calculator right. at the hardest, you know, yeah, you could sure. fucking do it by hand if you really needed yeah. to. Um, and it's just like, it's really like you can just like try different things and like it might be gross, but it's fun to play with. I'm not, I've, I have no problem failing for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I've had meals definitely go in the trash. Oh, I mean, I've like, but. yeah, I've fucked shit up. <laughs> Out of all the pastry stuff that you've created, what's your, what's your favorite thing? I have two, and I guess they're like two of my favorite dishes that I've ever done. One is this herb dessert, and it's um, herb? chamomile, semi-fredo, mm. licorice ice cream, uh, like an herb meringue that's green. And a sauce made from sorrel and sugar. Um, and that's my favorite dish that I've ever done, for sure. Really? Wow. Yeah, like the most nostalgic. So like, like a black licorice? Like not like a black, like a licorice root. Okay. And like tons of fennel, tons of anise. Um, just like it's meant to taste the way that like fennel f- pollen smells. Mm-hmm. That's like the goal of it. Um, yeah, it's like the most nostalgic dish for me that I've made. Why is that nostalgic yeah, for you? Yeah. Just like... What kind of weird shit are you eating? No, just like being a kid and like being outside, especially where I grew up. Playing like stuff, in the fennel fields. Like stuff just grows in the cracks of the sidewalk, like, you know, or like would grow... Did you ever eat road fennel when you were a kid? I've heard it's not I ate road wood sorrel, for sure. I didn't know it was wood sorrel. And I firmly believe that it was made sour by dogs peeing on it, and I still didn't care, and I <laughs> ate it. So that, it's like, because I've heard, I've heard people say that, like, when you were walking by, like, down the sidewalk, and you mm. see, like, oh, that's fennel, or that's sorrel, right. or whatever, like, don't eat it oh, usually. Eat it. No, most of I mean, it depends how... I won't pick from, like, where dogs... Now I won't pick from where dogs can pee on it mm-hmm. with ease. Look at you, Lenny. They got um, to work a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they would like it would be like a little bit more difficult for them to pee on it. But like, all I, but I've also heard that certain fruit, that certain foods or plants can absorb like car exhaust and like street dust and dirt more than others. True, and like, but you know, you're not going to have enough to really make an impact. And if you want some fennel, and it's there, just grab it. <laughs> I always want some fennel. Yeah, I mean, and I do love urban foraging. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, there's, yeah, it's interesting as far as like when people talk about that kind of toxicity of like being, cl- like foraging and being close to like a freeway. Mm-hmm. It's like that one bite of fruit that you're going to add and forage. I mean, if that's the only thing you eat for the rest of your life, sure, that might be a higher toxicity. But also, level, you're just, you're like, breathing the air. Yeah, of course. You're like right walking and biking by it or whatever it is. It's, I, I find it to be kind of exaggerated. It's also <clears> definitely <throat> better for you than probably like conventional produce. It's yeah. like sprayed with a million things. And I was GMOs just going to say. So it's like, like, I'm sure that like the shit that you get on the conventional aisle at Safeway is probably most certainly worse for you. For sure. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about frozen stuff earlier. Another Twitter question. What is, what is your opinion, the best frozen entree you can buy? Ooh. I don't know. I honestly haven't had a... Is it a burrito? F- is it a Trader Joe's oh, I don't have to give like a brand because I haven't had frozen food in forever, not because I like Must think down nice. on it. But, Just kidding. Um, yeah, I haven't had I can it eat either. at work. Like I'm lucky. I can eat at work whenever. Right. I'm like, I don't want to cook or I don't want to go out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, you probably used to eat frozen food. Yeah, I loved. I mean, I really loved bagel bites. That was my number one. Like, I wish I could say something more. You know, no bagel bite is a profound frozen yeah. entree. 
Yeah, when I was in high school, my girlfriend's family would always keep like massive amounts of hot pockets and bagel bites in the freezer just for me. Nobody she knew how much weed you were smoking. No, I didn't really smoke weed in high school. Like, <laughs> I just loved, you know, those frozen yeah, when pizza you're, related. The bagel bite—that's like a small hot dog that's encapsulated in a bagel-like thing. No, no, no it's no, like no. a bagel pizza. It's like a tiny miniature the, bagel pizza. Well, yes, kind of big. Okay, okay. With like these like weird cubes of meat that were like a cross between sausage and canadian bacon mm-hmm. there was like a vague spice to it um yeah a weird fake like spice. oregano kind of like yeah something. yeah so just like bizarre. bad dried oregano <laughs> and like sometimes you would just be too hasty and you would undercook it and it would yeah. still be cold in the middle of it or partially frozen you would still just like you're like i'm not going back i'm in not going to back in the oven find, you fucking need this and you haven't considered making an ari version of a bagel bite no, I mean, we do those little English muffins with uni and burrata and caviar, which, like, oh, in that same th- that's the same thing as a bagel bite. I've it's about the same as size bite. as a bagel bite, and it looks sort of like a bagel bite. So maybe. That was, that was when I began my love affair with Ari. The first time I went to Alma, and that was the first thing I ate. And I was like, all right, let's see what this fucking bullshit's about. And then I ate that English muffin with the uni, and I was like, okay. You still talk about the butter, too. Okay. Well, yeah, we make dough butter. Oh yeah, the bread and butter. I remember, yeah. I remember the Clark first Street. Time. I gotta like, I gotta, you mm-hmm. know, say our story. We get it from Clark Street. They make mm-hmm. dough bread. He he ate there first at Alma, and I remember him saying like everything was great. I really liked it. it was, like the whole experience was incredible, impressive. He's like, I don't know. I just can't stop thinking about the bread and butter. Yeah. Oh, th- was that downtown? That was yeah. downtown. Oh, we made that bread. That mm. was like a beer bread. That yeah, we, that was yeah. the one that was made out of like the leftover mm-hmm. grains of. We oh. just put a bunch of shit in that, um, and it was and it was incredible. And I went because of him when he came back. But he, was, I'd still remember being like explaining really mm-hmm. delicate, intricate, thoughtful <laughs> dishes that he loved. It was like, I, and I'm not saying it's better. It's just <laughs> I can't stop thinking about that bread well, and I butter. Just, dog. It's, one of my, it's always my favorite too in a restaurant. I'll definitely yeah. judge it by like when I was in Paris. Yeah. In May to work, I was eating in all these restaurants, and they just had the most incredible bread and butter. Yeah. Um, but you'd have to ask for it because in France, it's like not like that's something you would have like in the morning only. Mm-hmm. But like you know, they consider it like a little bit offensive for you to have that at dinner. It's like a very American thing. But you ask for it, and you just get the most incredible bread and butter. And they spit on you to be a barbarian. Unless you're <laughs> eating ham, then it's cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like when you have a butter like a super cultured, really like pungent, funky butter. Having that really dark, grainy, earthy mm. bread to go with it is just... It's the best. Simple pleasures. Nut. I Nut. feel like for frozen foods, <laughs> I always have a package of mixed vegetables in the freezer because I can't make fried rice without it. Yeah, like, that's so a good like, call. Like, like, like the, the diced the, carrots, peas, and... Yeah, just one package of that goes in with like some five good. spice and some fresh ginger and garlic mm-hmm. and some like day-old rice. I need to start viewing my home cooking with that kind of like from like a home cooking lens and stop being such a fucking elitist <laughs> about how I grocery Can I shop. Can another drink, sweetie? I'm all right for now. Because <laughs> no, I but, fucking grocery shop like I'm like really going to make this and I'm making food for myself and I get home I'm like, fuck this. And I just make shit and then I eat it. And it's just terrible because I'm just like, oh, fuck, I have to do fucking what? Like I'm going so to so glaze like, these fucking vegetables at home. Like, God damn Sunday it. night, you're like, all right, I've got all my parsnips laid out for the week, and I'm just going to... No, I'll yeah. cook like maybe, t- maybe once I'm or twice a week. my brown rice. Just that- even like I'm like going to fucking cut these and like slowly 
simmer them in water and glaze them because that's like just the way that I approach food. But like, fuck that. Like, I'm gonna get some frozen, some nice frozen vegetables. That's a little life hack. I'm down for some for mm-hmm. the the fried rice. And certain frozen bang. things are aren't terrible. like when you get a frozen peach, it's picked at the the ripeness of the the ripeness season. Yeah. Or like a frozen pea oh, or I corn. Guarantee it's better than most of the shit that I'm hacked together for myself at home like that is a really i make some really embarrassing food <laughs> oh well, we're gonna put a pin in that one we're and like when you cook fried rice you have a wok that's so hot that you can just put the veggies in still frozen yeah and they have like back up in like ring. one minute oh, that's, a walk and a wow. walk ring for the for the countertop i, I don't know I, that's dope i find i think my still doesn't get hot enough though stove is never slightly does. underpowered because it's not like the full daddy situation <laughs> but i feel like if i had to have one thing in a kitchen if you're like you can have one thing on a burner it can be any kind of pot pan i feel like walks are just incredible like a carbon steel walk i get mm-hmm. a big green well seasoned <laughs> oh that's a su- that's a sore subject for andre so i have a big green egg in, in monterey where my parents live mm-hmm uh, one year we all decided not to give ourselves a present for Christmas or anything, and we just all pitched in and got a big green egg. But it doesn't get used that much because I'm no. not there, and I don't. This is all I got. What you see out there is the, and it's like, it's the XL. It's like 1,200 pounds. Like I can't put it just sitting out there. All the things <laughs> I want to do. Like I need a backyard to cook with. Yeah, it. for sure. But the big green egg is incredible. Yeah, if just like if I had like my one thing that I could dream about having, because you can hold something, you can hold wood charcoal at 225 or you can bring the dome up to 800 bake a fucking bread in it's there if you really want to it's incredible yeah if, if you're listening being, i'm also a huge fan if you're being really good and paying attention to the temperature of the wood and like really staying on it you could probably bake bread in there i would say well if i've you're done flatbreads that came out really yeah green, yeah but as a loaf yeah i've never done a loaf bread but i've done flatbread i feel like you could it would just take like you know you'd have to babysit it yeah hmm Next question on, on Twitter. What is the best chip for dipping? He says Frito Scoop. That's a tough one. I think that buying whatever tortillas from the Mexican market and just like frying them in a pot of oil at your house and sure. putting some salt on it, which is like, yes, it's like a little bit wasteful because you're using a lot of oil, but you can reuse the oil, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and tortillas and putting, cost three cents. Yeah, and for putting some 100. salt on it, and you get them while they're still like a little bit hot. Mm. You know, and you can it's a little bit pretentious, but that's definitely like it's the cheapest and best chip you can get. I don't it's just think like it's a little bit of effort. That pretentious, yeah. and you can also cut it to size. Exactly. You can or make you can an make oversized chip, or yeah. you can make dicks. I mean, we. <laughs> yeah, we make definitely we play things into the shape of dicks at work <laughs> fairly often. That's a fairly often thing. That I do happens. it here by myself. Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> satisfying. It's like. I just, just do it never for my stop, dog Lenny. Never stop drawing dicks. I've never stopped. <laughs> Whether it's with food, I used to like. We used to have like this black puree, and I'd plate it like little black sperm. Sometimes, like a bunch of stuff would go on it, and it wouldn't show up like that. But I would like <laughs> might try my best to make like a little head, and then a really quick tail. Yeah. If I got like before the purslane was before, was dusted the top, before anything went on it, I would just like try to make little sperms. And if I got a good one, I'd grab my CDC or something, and be like, "Yo, I, I fucking got it." <laughs> like, oh, that's actually a really good yeah, one. that's a you good looking sperm. It's like really I killed to scale. this little warrior. <laughs> uh, so speaking of. Being a, a high school bad food eater, next question on Twitter, what is one ingredient you should never skimp on even when you're young and broke? His example was a fine French butter. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. For um, me, it's coffee. Ooh. Ooh. Not bad. Yeah, but I feel like... I've always had to buy... Fancy coffee. Fancy coffee, whether I'm 
doing well or doing broke. I've always I can't I can't have broke boy coffee in the morning. I can go high low with it. Like I don't like Starbucks particularly. Like pizza, I'm okay with, um, but I yeah. like gas station coffee. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can deal and with that. Like just like airplane coffee, like the shittiest. Yeah, I'm, I, like I got put here. on blast for saying this, but I can deal with Dunkin' Donuts. Mm-hmm. And then I recommended it for a shitty donut shop coffee, and then somebody came after me. But, I'll, you know, sure. It's People not like my not like my it. preference. I would say if we're playing in the vein of, so you're saying, what was the Twitter question? Like high school? No, it was just like, what's one ingredient that you would never skimp on? For cooking? Depend, like no matter if you're flat broke, flat you, broke you wouldn't not. buy like the cheap shitty version of Produce. It. So I think produce, produce 100% because you can go, mm-hmm. if you, you pay a little. farmer's market. Or at Whole Foods, if saving. you are looking for like what's in season, like it's, you know, and like what they have a lot of, you will find some stuff that's not super expensive, that's right. really good it's for true. you, it tastes great. Um, I and do it's that like, all the time. Yeah, I think that that's like a big thing. It's like health is so important, mm-hmm. and you know what you're gonna eat. like. Of course, like eat garbage. Like I'll make garbage. I'm happy to eat like sure, junk same. food, whatever. Like yeah, I, I'm not a purist course. about it. But what you put in your body every day, and try to do the best you can with it. And I feel like produce, like you can not spend a ton of money. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought of this question differently. So. This answer is, I mean, I guess, kind of relevant. But to me, it's like Parmesan. Mm, that's in a the great sense answer. that, like, a, a well-priced, re- I mean, you don't have to spend a lot, but, like, a reasonably really good aged Parmesan goes a long way and transforms the cheapest ingredients into something True. really kind of incredible. Like, you can yeah. make pasta with lousy Parmesan, and it's forgettable. And you make that same dish with a nice parmesan with even less of the amount they would use and, and if you microplane the parmesan on top it looks like a big giant yeah. pillow of of parm all over and you use like one ounce so i'm not a purist i'll use what i can but i i feel like the mileage you get out of really incredibly sourced proteins like beef can also be comparable to the mileage you can get out of a reasonably priced kind of well curated Parmesan or an even better value than that would be miso. Right. If you were looking for like a specialty ingredient that you could put into almost anything mm. and not like often you wouldn't taste it, but it would like enhance, you know, if used responsibly, it will enhance almost every single food you can do. And like a packet of good miso is like Five bucks. Using, six bucks. Using that instead of salt. Using that instead of parm. Using like emulsifying it into butter with your pasta, just like a little bit mm. to like add a little bit of extra, or into braises, or mm-hmm. um, it's the Western man's MSG. Yeah, that's Eastern. Well, it's. I mean, it's just like it's just re- that's that concept of MSG, but just created naturally mm-hmm. with a, like over time. So yeah, it's just like it's a great MSG way. that that God made. Yeah, which I think that, yeah for sure exactly it's From like the fermented. Earth. Yeah, from the earth. It's like CBD, bro. That's it. We oh, have. I, I was looking at your Instagram at all of your nice food pics, and I, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk to you about okay. on there. And that dope portrait of Sage that just beautiful. Yeah, look at his Instagram. There's yeah. a great picture of his dog with a nice pink background. It really pops. Mm-hmm. It. Taken by my roommate. Yeah, he's. It's like I live with a photographer, and he really captured Sage's essence today. And it fits into your Instagram grid with a yeah. nice pastel background. <laughs> and like, <laughs> Yo, I didn't. I didn't paint the tables at the standard, just so everybody knows. <laughs> well, I that's one thing I, I really... like the baby blue, but it, it came with. <laughs> There's a lot. I, I think I, I think it really makes the food pop nicely. Like yeah. this really beautifully lit 
very strong baby blue background. It just makes you want to, it just, no matter where you are in the world or what season it is, if it's cold and raining outside, it seems like a, an oasis to go eat some. That's definitely the purslane. goal. Purslane. How does a favorite ingredient like you mock me about? I hate purslane. Why? <laughs> I just don't. I don't like Wait, the flavor what? of it. You hate what? Purslane. Purslane. Oh, I love it. Eh. I love the texture. It just tastes like know. a like an ice plant weed or something. I love ice oh. plant. <laughs> Seems kind of succulents. It seems kind of neutral. It doesn't seem really that diverse. You get a good a one. It can be pretty get. lemony. <laughs> I love this. Pretty top, lemony. Um, well. You had one dish on there that was aged chicken with yep. chanterelles and salted plum, yep. spot prawn gravy. Let's, I want to talk about aging chickens. Okay. Spot prawn gravy? Yeah, so we also, that That's dish yummy. is God, like, that sounds amazing. it's like a play on a gumbo a little bit. So it's like really, really fortified chicken stock that's infused with shrimp shells and then really, really infused shrimp stock. And then we take the heads from the shrimp and we clean them out and we dehydrate them and make powder out of it. Mm. And so this sauce Holy is shrimp shit. stock and chicken stock that gets brought down like to order. We do this all to order because I'm into like to all the minute sauce making is a dope thing to do mm-hmm. when you can. Um, where, where, yes, chef. So we do that and we season it with the shrimp powder and we just make this like reduced gravy and then we make a like a seafood sausage, like a traditional French egg white seafood sausage out of um, out of Gulf shrimp or spot prawns, whatever we have in that day. And so it's it's like yeah. a gumbo. It's like instead of the it being like seafood with a meat sausage or like you know something a little more ground or broken up or braised. It's meat food with the sea sausage. With the sea sausage, yeah. So you get the same kind of textural contrast wow. in the dish. And then um, so when you when you're making that when you're dehydrating those shells, so you clean them out. We clean the brains out of them. You clean yeah. the brains out. And you just have the shell and you dehydrate you just it. Stick it in the dehydrator and, and then the you just put it in a blender. Yep, and it turns into powder. into powder. Yeah. So if you ever like get shrimp at home and you have like you can even do it in a low oven if you really want to, mm-hmm. um, but dehydrators are pretty cheap. You can get them on Amazon for like twenty five or thirty bucks, I think. Use the promo code the stew. <laughs> do you have one? No. Oh, no. that would be so lit. We'll get a little taste of that. <laughs> I would love it. I would love Amazon promo code. For it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a real thing that we should do. It's very easy to set up. But yeah, so the yeah that's I really like that dish. Um, but aging chicken. Yeah, aging age, chicken. We age. Pretty much every meat that we get, this is. I'm going to get in trouble with the health department for this. Um, <laughs> this is at home, not in the restaurant. Correct. This is at home. <laughs> um, everything. So ducks, chicken, fish to a degree, um, mm. especially bigger fish like swordfish or tuna. We'll let them sit for a couple of days. Um, but like tuna, you can age for a long time if you really know what you're doing. Uh, treat it like beef, to be honest. Um, and that aging again is basically removing some of the removing the, the water, majority of the liquid, moving the water out and concentrating. So are you hanging the chicken in the fridge? We're hanging the chicken in the fridge, just like we hang ducks, which is um, an expensive process because you're losing weight. Well, we serve the uh, same on a order. Food cost, We're serving right? the same order of it. It's like it's not like we have to do more chicken. We just like put a little less chicken on the plate. Right. Because some of it evaporates, but we're mm-hmm. still serving half a chicken, and I feel like it's like a good, it's a good portion of it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it definitely, like it, you get the crispiest skin on a bird if you age it. Like it's just like it's no question. It renders sure. so evenly, so quickly. And then we also cook all of our, especially our birds. But when we can do like we do lamb as well, we cook everything on the bone. 
So -hmm. we'll put the whole crown in the oven and we do this meat Mm -hmm. cooking method where we go in and out of the oven for like five minutes in, five minutes out, five minutes in, five minutes out. And we just like keep checking the temperature with a cake tester. Mm -hmm. Is that why it takes so long for the food to come out? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ideally, we've done this ahead of time, but we can we can definitely get. So, what are the benefits of five in, five out? Is that like the sauna, cold water, sauna, cold water? It's it's like the technique. It's like the mindset behind sous vide. So you're trying to slowly add heat evenly over time Mm -hmm. with the least amount of moisture loss. So you know, like that's Mm -hmm. like at the underlying kind of idea of what sous vide is doing to meat. Like that's the core of it. You're bringing it to temperature as gently. Slowly, right. But through the course of vacuum packing something and adding plastic to it, you're denaturing it. And Mm -hmm. some people are fine with that and are okay with the textural change that comes with it. But I don't like it. So, but I like the mindset. You know, I like the way that like you get a piece of steak that doesn't have a bullseye around it. It's like seared on the outside, but like red all the way through. Like end to end red. No gray area. I shit on my cooks when they give me meat with gray area. I am fucking merciless with them. I will mock them (laughs) for an entire service. Um, well, that's why, yeah. and 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 the best example of that is the like probably the my favorite thing that he makes is the the pork with the bernays, the steak. brown butter bernays. Steak I mean, bernays. sorry, not the pork, the steak. But like you do the same method, like the the slowly like five on five off, but it's on one of the little Japanese grills. Yeah, even quicker. It's like thirty seconds aside, if that, and then off right. over and over again. And it looks it depending on how big it is, it might spend a little time in the oven. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like end to end red. Um so for when you're doing chicken or birds, it's the same thing. So you're going in, you're going out. The dehydration is happening in the skin. So you're taking like you're melting the fat underneath the skin. That's what makes chicken skin not crispy. Right. Is if you once you age it, a lot of that leaches out of it. And then when you do it in the oven in and out like that, it kind of dries it out a little bit. So when you sear your chicken skin or you render it or whatever, uh, it stays crispy indefinitely. So you still get that chip skin. And before you put a chicken hanging in the fridge to age, do you do anything to it? Do you, are you salting it? or no, we doing just tie anything? a rope around its neck. and You just tie a rope around and put it in raw dog. No, mm-hmm. you don't. We just we hang it and then we have a little sheet tray underneath with the towel to catch, with like paper towels to catch, catch all, all the those good goo, juices. And we change those. At least every day, if not twice a so day. You have, so gross. why don't you use you that? You could stuff it with hay if you really wanted to. That would be... Another, people do that in Europe. They'll just stuff the carcass mm-hmm. with hay. But you and, don't want to add any... Take that opportunity to add any flavorings or... I don't want to cook it. And I don't... Yeah, with meat, pretty much the only thing I season meat with is salt. I really like the flavor of each one and trying to find ways to develop like that, just the flavor of it. And usually it's like trying to do as much as you can over wood mm-hmm. or on the bone or whatever, just being gentle with it. But yeah, I just like, you know, very clean flavor of the meat. I don't like... But the quality of it speaks for itself. Can you picture doing what you do with your chickens in like a home fridge and not a commercial refrigerator? Uh, you would need probably like a... Um, remove a rack and you need some you would need to it. take all the other shit out yeah uh, and you probably need to put a fan in there somehow because the ones that we do it has like a pretty solid condenser so it's blowing sure. air around and circulating it so it doesn't get really stale because my cheaper it version smells. which is not the same <laughs> as yours this is another thing to know they, t- they have like a definitely pick up an odor to them it doesn't mean it's rotten it's just like the fermentation of the meat you can't taste the smell like once you cook it right. but like aged meat it For has sure. like a smell to but it. But aged so. beef yeah. has like when when it has that funky yeah. smell to like it, it's it's kind of nice. Well, yeah. But when you when you see it on a when you see it on a on a bird, but it's a little just, more off putting. So that's like. well, it's our concept of like you know how it should be cooked or like you know we have this idea that chickens have salmonella, so they need to be mm-hmm. cooked through. But that's not true. Chickens don't. 
that's not like a it's disease that they come it's, with. It's, it's a byproduct of factory exactly. farming. Exactly. So like you can eat sure. slightly pink chicken, and that's in my opinion the best way to eat chicken is like with a little bit of opaque and like maybe a touch of pink. But if I serve that to somebody, they will literally shit their pants sure. and like freak out. Even if it's 100% safe, if the meat's been handled properly, it's sourced really well. Mm. I feel especially that way pork. with pork. I yeah. was going to say with pork. I mean, the, the, I try to cook my pork like to like 133, 134. And like, you temp it with a thermometer? Yeah. Is it thick? Yeah, it's usually like... You should just get a cake tester and do it off your lip. Trust me. You get the same temperature read on it. You just stick it, and it's like a tiny little pin. You just stick it in. You leave it in there, and you just touch it to your lip. And like the varying degrees above body temperature is how you can kind of like guesstimate the temperature of it. That's a pro move. And you don't puncture the shit out of your meat, or like put a fucking skewer in it and let it like bleed out or add oxygen to it or whatever. Yeah, I'm using like a. It's like a standard meat thermometer, I imagine. Like an Insta read. An Insta read off the the. The, no, 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 not, not a laser, off the, not off the like the one that folds open tip. and you stick yeah, it yeah, in. yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's definitely piercing and going in, I but think, it's not like a normal meat thermometer where it yeah, needs, it only takes a second and a half to yeah. actually like come. I would even read. say just like a cake tester goes in super thin, you can kind of feel the give of the meat as it goes through, and once you get used to like stabbing mm-hmm. it, you can get a different. You know, you can get that feeling of like, you know, especially with fish. You don't even like you can put like a cake tester in a piece of fish while you're cooking it, and you don't even need to test the temperature. You're like, got it. Um, and you don't just by just by the just feel. by the way that it goes through because the way that like the the texture relaxes as it mm-hmm. cooks. Um, and then once you master that, there's no ever, no way of ever going back. Well, it's just like it's cake testers are cheap. You can get a million for like you know less than like for like two dollars. Mm-hmm. They're not going to break. Yeah. Take them with you, and if they do break, then who cares? Yeah, you just get throw a, it away. Do a fucking use a paperclip, whatever. Put a paperclip in a cork, and you have. A, it's time to grow up, Andre, and start using a cake tester. You know, shit. I thought I was doing pretty well till now. It's, it's also like it's also like tongs with meat. That's a no go for me. Oh, yeah. I don't let. I don't do it. Even at home, I won't do it, and I won't let my cooks do it. But I do, do you understand go, that. Do in you like, go bare hand? Actually, that's not true because when we're doing like high volume off the hotel side, like sometimes they need to because they have a bunch of shit on a really hot grill. And like, yeah. In that case, I endorse the use of. All right, so like you're what, saying, like, handheld. So when you're doing your your beef with a spoon in my hand, spoon in your hand, or an offset spatula, and you just like reach down and you move it like that. You have to wash your hands a lot during service. Treating it as gently as possible. Yeah, not squeezing it. Just like yeah, being as gentle as possible with it. All the way through, babying it. Showing your love. Exactly. Yeah, especially it's like, you know, it died. So. Yeah. It's, I think it's good to be cognizant of that while you're cooking meat. I like that. Don't, no, don't eat meat all the time, but more. when you do, treat it, with, treat it like the, the, the king that it is. And buy, yeah, buy the, really, like, buy the well-produced stuff. The real expensive yeah, stuff. It's not even that expensive. Like they have, Whole Foods has great price nice enough meat i don't know if they're mm-hmm. like lying about it you know like right. who knows with corporations these days maybe it's all a ruse and like some shit's gonna come out and mm-hmm. my sure. whole world's gonna get destroyed and but if they're advertising humane, but if it's as advertised then yeah. it's a good deal sure and you know we could do more to make that price come down and make it cheaper for more people to have access to it also amen to that yeah. um we have we usually end our episode our pods with one question that we'll get to but one other one i wanted to ask you is what what's a recipe that you're working on right now, like a concept that you have in your mind that you're in the middle of fleshing out and you want us to help you with? <laughs> I'd be take, I would take suggestions. We're going to start doing popsicles. Oh. Um, like 
by outside. Just in time for uh, winter. It's not. I mean, we're going to get summer until at least November here. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Like, it's going to be in the 90s until November. This so is just the beginning. Art, it's an artisanal it can pop- be, popsicle. Yeah, just like any flavors that anybody wants to suggest or would be into. Are they going to be alcohol or no? Uh, we will put alcohol in some if we can. I don't know what the legal situation with that is, um, but I will explore that. We will definitely pair them with cocktails. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can get away with a little bit of alcohol, like I guess maybe we can. I guess we probably can. What can you do? I mean, yeah, th- those yeah. exist. Yeah, what what can true. you do to make a popsicle not melt as fast using like chemicals and science? I don't know. This is why we're just getting into it. Because I feel like that's a big problem. The popsicle yeah. melt really fast and it just goes all over the that's place. It's all like sticky that's, and shit. That's the amount of sugar to a high degree. Like a lot of sugar makes things melt faster. Hmm. Um, so you just play with that. You can play with sweeteners. Play with the amount of liquid. But I don't know. Like I haven't. I don't fuck with like as many gums and powders and shit. We'll use like xanthan and agar. Mm-hmm. But. I'd be curious if there's anything, if anybody knows anything that keeps them from melting, like a popsicle stabilizer. I'd be open to popsicle stabilizer. Yeah, because they sell ice cream stabilizer, and like you'll sometimes go to a restaurant, and they'll just like you'll get a dessert with a quenelle of ice cream, and you're like, this thing is not fucking melting, and it's like (laughs) 20 minutes later, it's like no, no joke, it's like 20 minutes later, you're like, fuck, this thing is still not melting. You're like, I'm glad. I mean, it's cool that it's it's not melting, but but it's wrong and unnatural. Yeah, it makes me afraid of it, and it's got like that kind of texture. Yeah, I, it's like a little bit firmer and spongier. You're know, mm-hmm. just like, hmm. I got a suggestion. Eat it in Alaska. Nobody wants to eat a popsicle in Alaska, though. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Alcohol is cool, actually. So any flavors of popsicle. I mean, alcohol is cool. I, I think I'd like to maybe see uh, work out a horchata popsicle and that's then weave no in problem. some ribbons of the cac- the pink cactus fruit. Wow, that's perfect for Instagram. Fucking a, bro. that is. Oh, he's 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 in the space. Yeah, I hope you it's don't hide mind. any like pistachio crumble in there, <laughs> like a ring of pistachio crumble. Little pieces of pistachio in there would be hot with the green. Yeah, cognizant yeah. he is of like how how visually Instagram worthy his brain thinks. I think it's beyond it being conscious. It's I just mean, now it's it's part of the DNA. I read this article. I read this article on Grant or on uh, the Ringer yesterday about like. People are building things like entire experiences just photograph um, and post. And one of the examples was like the museum of ice cream. And it was just this really interesting article about how like the experience is now no longer the experience. It's documenting the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And and for somebody like me whose brain does think very visually like that, that's I'm that nothing makes me more angry and upset than hearing about like, the person who made the ice cream museum and it's like a young girl and yeah. and you go and you like it nope no, you're not learning anything about the history of ice cream and nobody cares about it but there's a room that's full of sprinkles that you can take a selfie in yeah and every single girl on instagram has a picture of, of it you haven't heard of it and no. this girl has made I, I've, I've heard that she's made like 30 million dollars off of the ice cream museum i'm, I'm sure she's made a significant amount of money but i think that like for us now it's trying to use those things and ideas to trick people into coming into 
a place where the experience is about the experience and using them to capture. Cause like those are effective marketing tools mm-hmm. and oh, using them sure. within reason, I think is like just, that's a part of business adapting. It is. And then and there is truly an art to doing it, but you have to have so, the product. If you have the product behind it, then it's okay. Cause it's like, you're getting people in to experience the actual thing. And like, you know, like maybe, when I take a selfie at cha cha macha in front of the, <laughs> in front of the grass wall with the neon sign, you don't do you? Uh, I took one in, in uh, a fake joke one with <laughs> with Flynn. With Flynn, yeah, I was gonna say. Of course. Yeah. And if I liked matcha, then I would. That would just be a setting, prime example. Just setting off the amber alerts with Flynn. It's like you know, that's <laughs> a popular pastime. Until you just like you just take him places. You're like, yeah, this fucking child is. Don't just, talk to my son ever when again. He, when he was working for me, when he was like. 15 or 16 and we would go to like do events places i would just joke about amber alerts the whole time because he would like some like get his own room or whatever he would like come like go on long trips with us like the first time that i met him he came in to eat and then the next day i was like i need help with this event in the middle of the fucking desert where i'm gonna have to like cook a lamb (laughs) over wood and we're gonna pick everything from the farm that day to cook for everybody that night which ended up being just an atrocious idea never do that (laughs) never ever do that that was my first event i think as a chef and i like didn't know that you come with prep um, <laughs> we're just gonna wander around and see what inspires is, us. Yeah, but anyway, wow. and, but his mom fucking was down, and so he just like she just dropped off this fifteen year old kid to like drive three hours into the desert to like cook a lamb with me. I mean, that's kind of like camp to a degree. I mean, you drop yeah, your kid but off, like I there's mean, like, waivers and contracts and shit. You know, I'm just Maybe. like a strange adult man right. that's like taking. Her so while you're at a gas, but, but has a brick and mortar business, it's not like you put an ad on Craigslist. People are fucked these days. You can't trust anything. That's true. So when you guys stop to get gas somewhere in like Riverside, a guy will come up to Flynn and be like, "Is everything okay, boy? <laughs> Do you need?" I just joke about it. I just think it's so funny. Like, just you know, take him somewhere and. His mom's wondering, doesn't know. He's well, he's he's up for it. Yeah, he's acted like an adult since he was, you know, probably 11. Yeah, that's a whole other pod. Yeah. That little creepy little man. Love you, Flynn. I know you're listening. <laughs> my, you're my guy. My guy. You're my special little guy. Um, um, so everybody's a little Amber Alert. La- <laughs> you're the we world. We got so off topic. We went from fucking Instagram to Amber Alert. <laughs> So yeah, moral of the story, don't go to places that are only existing because your boring life needs a place to take a picture at. Or if you go to an actual museum. Yeah, that's true. And also eat like, actual ice cream. If you're gonna open a business, like back up what you're doing. Like if you wanna use those things and like those I guess those like Instagram moments or whatever the fuck they're called. Deliver a product that's right. Deliver a product behind it that increases people's like interpersonal experience. Mm-hmm. And try to trick them into like enjoying it so much they forget to take a picture like maybe bring them in for a picture like you know this is like why i would never tell somebody you can't take a picture in my restaurant or you can't x y or z you know Mm -hmm. like i don't want you to yelp about it like do whatever like you're paying do whatever the fuck you want to do like Mm -hmm. i hope you like it but just do whatever the fuck you're going to do here and try my best to deliver an experience that people are going to just like sit and have a conversation with and enjoy each other's company um, mm-hmm. and so try to use if you can use those things to get people in do it and trick them into like having a conversation yes and charge them $90 if something. you can get that money get that money get baby get that money if someone's paying 90 bucks for bowling fucking they're gonna boom yeah, use the gram, take it use the gram wisely okay last question we, we do every show the best thing that we ate all week and I will we, you can go last so you can have some time to think all about right. it for me the best thing I ate all week was 
Andre got a small smoker, um, like a home. I did courtesy of my girlfriend. She got me a prosumer smoker. Yeah, it's like a Charbroil um, electric smoker. So That's it's got dope. like an electric heating element. Like a mini element. chief? Exactly. Yeah, so it's an electric chief. heating element into wood chips. And mm-hmm. it's a super cheater because you just like, no you way. just set it and walk away. You're not babysitting that. any people kind use, of internal people temperature. Use, restaurant chefs are using combi ovens as smokers sure. where it's got an electric dial to the point tenth right. of a degree. Mm-hmm. So It's not cheating. It's just technique. But it came out great. Yeah, of course. Um, and I played it, I played so the it thing that for I had, two days. The best thing that I had was he... He just did a, a tri-tip in there. Oh, dope. And tri-tip is normally a little bit of a finicky cut to get right. It, it can be a little overcooked well, easily. Well, Santa Maria tri-tip is always cooked almost medium. It's like gray all the way yeah. through and sliced thin. And like mm-hmm. SLO does that all the time. There's like their famous word. And I'm not into it. But this one I, I pulled off at like 1.30 and let it rest. Yeah. And it, it was pink the whole way through. It was great. And it was really... It, it was, did you it was, spice it? Yeah, uh, just just a little bit of sugar and salt. That'd be interesting to do like a tri tip like that, like with pastrami spices, or even doing like an overnight pastrami. Oh cure yeah, because then, it had the texture yeah, of like. That's a what pas- I was gonna say. What you're describing like reminds me of a pastrami, but cooked a little bit less. So maybe you do like that. Yeah, not treat- so smoky. Yeah, that would be. I would be curious to hear how that would go. Damn, that's actually a good idea. But yeah, I mean, I've never had tri-tip where it had like a, like you could just hold a slice and it'll flap in the wind like a piece of brisket or, mm-hmm. or pastrami or something like that. But like it doesn't need to, like the cure on it will definitely nature, denature it like to a degree where it'll have a slightly different texture. Mm-hmm. And if you use a little pink salt, you know, which is like that curing salt, it'll keep it real pink all the way through too. Give me that nitrite. Yeah. No, poison, but I tried to get, it, to get it to like, what I was hoping to do with a tri-tip is to do like a roast beef. Oh, that sounds good. They do a really, really super rare roast beef, and it came out like that really well. Mm -hmm. Where, like, you know, again, that tri-tip that I'm used to growing up with is, like, it's so well done that you have to slice it thin, and it's fine. Yeah. This was like a roast beef. That'd be dope, yeah. But it was really smoky, and it took only, you know, it took two hours, and it had a nice, it really actually took some of the smoke even over that two hours. Yeah, it definitely took a lot of smoke. smoke. Smoking something, like, when we smoke fish, it's, like, for, like, like twenty minutes max, sure, and, and it takes fish on a fucking ton of smoke. Yeah. Fish takes it takes it on so quick. Yeah. The one thing, so that was like literally the day I got it. I got super excited, and I couldn't really run out and grab wood that I wanted. So I, I was using hickory, but I'm really excited to use like mango or papaya or fig apple wood. or cherry. Yeah, any kind of fig, wood. fig leaves, any kind of fruit. Mm. I'm super excited and. I'm trying to figure out a way CBD. to tie off the top. CBD. But I really want to do a tea smoked duck Dabs. inside of it, too. Smoked over a dab. Yeah, you should definitely. I'm going to dab all the ducks that I oh, dab. Yeah, dab the, all the wood and then. Tea smoked duck. So that's what, so what I'm most excited when I got it. I mean, like, I had to go out. I'm just like, okay, cool. I'll grab a tri tip. I'll grab this. Very wasteful. <laughs> Not cheap. The duck and the marijuana. But I got to figure out a way to tie off the top so I can hang a duck or a couple ducks inside because that's like the. The thing I'm most excited about is doing a duck in there. Is there's a little hole in the top of it, right? Mm-mm. No? I'll show. I'll show you. Okay. There's like four screws that I think I can tie. I think you're, you're gonna have to get a blacksmith in there to weld you could something. Just in. like rig a couple, like a little two little rings on either side, and then stick Run a it. So, yeah. stick a coat hanger through the duck and just like wrap it up on either side, so it's like hanging by the wishbone. Oh, that's so smart. Through a coat I never hanger. even thought of that. Yeah. That's that's my that might be what I have to do. When I was on oh, vacation, so yeah, when I was on vacation in Australia, Crucified I tried to dog. roast a chicken in like a wood, and there was like some fucked up fireplace in the Airbnb. So I took like the dowel off the closet where we were hanging everything, and like I feel like I'm watching a rom com. Tried right now. to rig this shit, and then 
use a coat hanger to like try to hang the chicken Good and it work. was great and no it was great and then it started raining and i was fucked <laughs> that's amazing i'm gonna, After all I'm of gonna that. roast the chicken on the fireplace in our airbnb babe that's what yeah that's what happens when you get stoned you're Give on me vacation a doll. yeah and you like lighting you know cooking things over wood hey I, i'm babe i'm wet just thinking about DIY. it babe i got this i got it babe why are you in the closet with Do the you have dowel? Any lemon pepper exactly um, Truffle right. oil. <laughs> well, I want to... Okay, so best thing I ate is less about... Okay, it's the most fun thing I ate. Because I've been on a kick of making spring roll bars. Like going to the Thai grocery, getting like gal and gal and kefir lime. And like, mm-hmm. and so doing like a mixture, like early in the morning, like doing a mixture of like sautéing lemongrass and ginger and garlic and a bunch of like kefir lime zest and stuff and using it as like a paste. And then doing like a spring roll bar... But I feel bad coming off of what you said because it's the same thing I did in the smoker. I did spare ribs, but oh, with wow. like five, so it was like six hour Texas style, like three, two, one, where it's like Damn. three hours smoked, two hours in foil, and then one hour outside the foil finished. Sick. So it was like five spice, sugar, yep. cayenne, um, ginger, mustard powder, black pepper, salt, that kind of thing. And then pulled off the bone and chopped. So that was kind of like the protein for the spring roll meat. Spring roll bar. And then as much Aramax I had, had mint, cilantro, green onion. (laughs) (laughs) And then like a bunch of lettuce. And then so I did like quick pickle carrots and daikon and then some lotus root. And so those are all in small little dishes, um, fried garlic. And I didn't have peanuts because there was a peanut allergy of a very important person there that night. Mm. But... Um, so just having that and then having people dip, um, spring roll rice wrappers for five seconds and then slowly like everybody drinking and hanging out and smoking and like watching them like roll their own spring rolls and laugh and have fun and also have it not be a heavy Mm. meal. Like that, so that was really fun. That's the ideal dinner party. It's like a little bit less work for you. Yeah. Everybody's like, you can actually enjoy your guests. Cause I remember, you know, cooking for people and you're just like trying to kill it and you just end up in the kitchen the whole time. You have 6 million motherfucking dishes to do afterwards. (laughs) So like you finish and of course you're not going to let anybody else do the dishes because you're fucking mess. hundred percent. So you're just like, or the next morning you're tired and you're just like, Oh my God. Yeah. It's like a mountain. Like you're like, how did I use four fucking pans cooking for like Do yourself a favor. And let people do the dishes for you. But what also mm. got fun, too, is then it got soup because people brought stuff. And Sounds so somebody so brought four-layer dip. So somebody made, like, a four-layer dip spring roll with, like, tortilla crumbles. That's and got well, that's dumb. the thing. That's is you got stupid. That's and chefing. Got, you know, it was just yeah, my fun. brother made a, a watermelon mint yeah. spring roll. He made the seven-layer one, which was good. The, please, watermelon, the watermelon one was awful. Please, in, please <laughs> invite agreed. me next time. Oh, you're absolutely <laughs> That was yeah, super fun. Of course. I'm inviting myself. Yeah, the, the five-layer right. dip spring roll. Open invitation. I have a photo of it. It looks disgusting. Dude, it was. It, like, it looks so like, like no hyperbole. It looks just like a straight-up penis. Like, it's wrong. It's like a flesh-colored it. spring roll with sour cream <laughs> and, like, one black olive oh. that's, like, trying to surface through the, the membrane. Yeah. What's the best thing you had all week, uh, Ari? Uh, um, it's, it's tough because, like, 90% of the food I eat is at work, and I don't want to be, like, yeah. super self-serving about no, that. No, you should be. Um, there's no holds barred. It can be The best thing, the both, both made, of the things that we made? said is something that, One that was, right. made, was so. made in this house. Uh, I just eat brunch usually on weekends with my roommates, and it's always, like, a ton of fun. We're all just, like, fucking ripped. Um, you, go, you go into the restaurant? They, yeah, I'll go in to eat. Like, if I'm not working, I'll go and sit with them. How, how often do you cannonball after you have brunch on a Sunday? Just, like, into put the, the pool? shorts on and just go, just... 
head first in the pool. I'm a little bit afraid of like any body of water that small. Tbh, <laughs> that's fair. That's there's no jo- like I'm, I know that it gets cleaned. I'm there. Like I see them clean the shit out of it every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know. But still. But still, like any body of water that small, I just don't know about it. Are mm-hmm. you a mild neat freak in general? No, no, no. Just just not. water. Just like pools. Sure. You know, and mm. and drunk people. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. Say no more. It's taking everything fantasy... I have inside of me not to say. Don't bad say. Stuff. Don't say anything. <laughs> they like every. I, everybody there works their ass off to like deal with people, but human beings are human beings and they're unpredictable. So. My fantasy. Sometimes they're going to do. Weekend, sometimes they're going to jump in. God knows what. That's the only reason I asked. <laughs> uh, no, I'm fucked after brunch. I like. I'm ready to go home. Sure. Yeah. All right. So Sunday brunch. Sunday brunch. Sunday brunch um, we made that tuna melt. That was really good. We make this pancake that I really love that I ripped off completely from the Big Sur Bakery. And mm. it's like a nine-grain uh, Dutch pancake, basically, that's like oh, leavened that with egg whites. And ours is good. Theirs is much better. Um, but, like, you know, we try our best to mimic it as much as possible because it's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, we have that. They'll usually try to destroy us with oversized pastries. Um, and yeah, you have, like, like, giant basketball cinnamon rolls. Yeah, they're like no Those joke, three pound cinnamon rolls, and I like they were really small last week. They were like half size, and I was just like so sad about it. I was like, this is the saddest I've been in like two months about any mistake that's. Come they're out of the they're kitchen. so small. They're only twice the size of a cinnabon. Now. That's what I'm saying. Like it needs to look like a wedding cake. Like I want it to. <laughs> that's what I, I really I want. That's like to come out with a small figurine of whoever ordered it, it when should. it comes out. That like I, w- I want I want 3D the table yeah, to in the back. I want like, the table to one. groan out of sadness when it arrives. I just like, want people to look. Yeah. Like the way, because it's my favorite is when we drop it off on a table with kids in it, oh, and yeah. they just lose their shit. But a lot of adults will freak out about it too. And I, yeah. like, I that's what like, oh my god, what am I going to do? That's with this? what it's I love much. about restaurants is like just like you revert back to children sometimes, and mm-hmm. like you just like forget where you are and what you're doing. And that's like <laughs> what I love so much about restaurants. And definitely like the number one thing I try to do is like just like make people feel like. They're like forget, forget about the rest of the forget world. Forget about an hour. for like yeah, or if, even if, if all you can get is ten seconds when you set down a giant sticky bun before they go back to <laughs> you know texting on their fucking date. <laughs> I just like to me, it's like at this point, like I'm just like so embarrassed to be single because I see these people come in on dates and these dudes will like sit on their phone the entire time and it's like fuck, what am I doing wrong? Because sure. these dudes are texting and they're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> like I actually pay attention, but they're not—they're not killing it at life. Uh, no. Who knows? Who's to say? Um, I was going to say to mention also to continue um, a self-serving nature. We we did a review, or not even a review. We were just talking. I think both of us had best things one week because we had brunch together at oh. Alma the Standard, and we were talking about dishes. I forget what he said. He might have even said the cinnamon roll. But there were some incredible things. The hash was incredible. And I yeah, know we it's have a, ro- a new one. It's a rotating menu, too. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about when we reviewed it. And my favorite thing that week was the kimchi Bloody Mary. Oh, that's good. That's I our, don't know if it's still there. Bar, yeah, the drinks. That's our bar manager, Steve but, LaFontaine. And he's, but it was, dude, he's like. It was so good. And, and my review is one of those things where it's like in an era of. Um, where these kind of fusions or these things kind of seem like of the moment. This was such a balanced and well orchestrated cocktail. Mm, it's like yeah. it, it just was perfect. He also does like a yuzu kosho michelada with like a little bit of tomatillo. So it's like a green michelada mm. um, with like lime. Sounds amazing. Um, and yeah, his drinks are like he definitely hasn't gotten due. I think in part because we're in a hotel and it's hard to get 
the kind of attention that you get right. in a standalone restaurant because, you know, we're attached mm-hmm. to something bigger. And so, um, you know, I think it's hard to get the people in their critics into review um, just because it's attached to a hotel. And people are, like, drinking cocktails by the pool exactly. and they're not appreciating or, like, the subtleties. Or, of like, a- Alma will be going on and the people are black the fuck out somewhere else in the hotel like publicly you know what i mean it's like it's difficult to take that seriously and i understand but Mm -hmm. that being said his drinks at dinner are really 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 special and like the amount of care that he puts into everything like making his orjat and you know the the, pretending like i know what that word means it's just like a reduced like almond syrup or sometimes we'll do it with hazelnuts that sometimes will go into like rum based drinks like daiquiris Mm. or whatever just Mm. like the the care to do all of that he makes a really amazing salvadorian style horchata at brunch um Mm. he spiked uh we do spike it with i I think we use cachaca we use this really nice cachaca with it um yeah i think he he's like one of the best bartenders in the city for sure we're really lucky to have him and you know, hopefully everybody that is listening comes in and tries this shit because he when you go to Alma, slays, get you a cocktail slays. too. And Ashley's wine list too. Also, you know, I think yeah. doesn't get its due. I mean, to me, one of the best wine lists in the city. Always creative, always really interesting. Um, Agree. You know, like stuff that blows me away on a regular basis. That's so. where I always drink my my MIP rosé. Yeah. yeah, and just like she does natural wine in a way that's not pretentious and not like over your head. It's that's really Ashley just about like Ashley. yeah, she mm-hmm. kills. Slay, dopest wine list in the city. All right, Ari. Thank you so much for doing this, baby. Thanks for having me. Truly a pleasure. Always. You're coming so, over for spring rolls. It, literally, I love home cooking. You're I never get over spring it rolls. Anymore, except for the fucking garbage I make myself. <laughs> well, we would love to cook for you. I would be so down. Show you how it's actually done. Please. Uh, if you live in L.A. or you're visiting L.A., go to Alma. It's at the Standard Hotel in West Hollywood, That's and correct. it's highly recommended by all of us. And 100%. then you can go... Sit on the patio and have a cold brew and look at people go in the jizz pool. You can follow me on t- social media at them jeans. Under Connor Park has no social media. I don't have any. R e a r i t a y m o r. That's right. Follow him. He's on Instagram, Raya, all that stuff. <laughs> the stewpodcast.com is though. the website where all the episodes live, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Do, 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 do.